Welcome to Medicus, a podcast made by students about everything in the world of medicine. Welcome back to Medicus. It's Match Week. This is Nate, and today I'm joined by my co-host Alec to talk about the match, specifically what happens if you don't match. We sat down with Liza Brecker, who's an intern here in Chicago at a family medicine program, and she talked to us about her experience with the Supplemental Offers and Acceptances program, which is the safety net for people who do not match as a part of the NRMP match. They find out on Monday if you matched or if you do not match, and if you do not match, you enter this program. She was extremely forthright and honest about her experience, and we really appreciated it. If you've ever been curious about how the soap works, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So with that, let's cut to the interview. So Liza, welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Liza Brecker. I'm a first-year resident in family medicine at West Suburban Medical Center in Oak Park, Illinois, and I went to Tufts Medical School. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So uh, we met while I was on my family medicine rotation, and uh, one thing that we had talked about was that you had participated in the SOAP, um, sometimes called the SOAP match, even though it's not technically really a match. Used to be called the scramble. The scramble, yeah, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, trying yeah, to figure yeah. out what the other name was for. Then like, they were like, "That's a little too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be nicer we're, about it. We're gonna call it something a little bit more like an acronym is always yeah. better, right? Your ass loves an acronym. Well, I mean, I guess starting off right now, what does the acronym stand for? Do you remember by yeah, any chance? Yeah, so it stands for the supplemental offer and acceptance program. I think. Or, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I should also mention some of our listeners are medical students. Some of them are residents or physicians, and some of them might even be pre-meds. Could you explain, like, what is the SOAP and why we're even talking about it? Yeah, so um, the SOAP is the kind of safety net for the match is what I think about it. So match, you know, you apply to residency programs, you interview, students make a rank list, programs make a rank list, and then the match computer mushes them together and spits out matches. But sometimes there are people who don't get matched. So then they end up in the soap. I think the stats that you sent were like 5%-ish. Yeah, something about that. I think that's 5% for U.S. seniors. It's worth mentioning. Um, There's like all sorts of stats you can look at for the match. And I usually just look at the U.S. seniors ones because that's what I am. Maybe that's a little bit of a centrist view or a centrist uh, way of looking at things, but that's what I do. Could you also explain how some people might be partially matched or fully matched? Yeah. So um, depending on what you apply in, um, like if you apply in radiology or something more specialized like radonc or urology or optho or any of those things where you need to do a transitional year, you're applying for two positions when you apply for residency. So you're applying for your intern year which is either surgery or medicine, and then you're applying for your residency itself. Okay. Um, So it's possible to match for both of them, only match for one of them, match for neither of them, unlikely. Mm -hmm. And so you can go what's called partially matched, which like, for example, if someone applied into Radonc and they matched their transition year, but they didn't match a Radonc residency, then they would need to soap for Radonc or something else. 
yeah, I guess we can get into that a little bit later. So who hosts the SOAP? Is this like the National Resident Matching Program who yeah, does so it? Yeah, it's all through NRMP, just okay. like ERAS. Okay. Have you noticed that there's like certain positions that are commonly soaped for or like certain ones that are not? In terms of like specialties? Yeah. Yeah. My year, for example, there were a ton of family medicine spots. That tends to be pretty stable year to year. There are usually a lot Mm -hmm. of family medicine spots. There's a lot of internal medicine spots. There's a lot of internal medicine like prelim years and transition years. There were a good amount of surgery prelim or transition years. There were very few like full general surgery residency spots. Mm -hmm. OB had a handful of transition slash prelim years. Psych didn't really have any, which I think was relatively new. Psych used to have a lot more. Yeah. There were randomly a lot of like PD neurology, but they were all starting as a PGY2. So you had to... Oh, I see. You had to have been in a transition year, like the year of my match to get into one of those. Not that I wanted to do PD neurology, but (laughs) it was a weird thing to see. I have a quick question just about the timeline itself. Well, one of the reasons actually why we're doing this episode right now is because I think it's literally like in like a week, right? It's a week from tomorrow yeah, is Black tomorrow. Monday. Yeah, Black Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you find out that if you matched or your hadn't matched. So I know on, on Monday, that's um, a big day for a lot of students, uh, uh, U.S. seniors across the country, because that's when obviously you get the email or letter or whatever saying that you match. You just don't know where you are. That's the following Friday. So, you know, timeliness, that's, that's kind of why we're doing this episode but in terms of the soap when does like the soap happen within that week yeah so we can walk through my experience which was sure totally fun and not the worst (laughs) week of my life so monday at 11 a.m is when the emails go out saying if you matched or not and if you're me you're like why isn't it loading on my phone why isn't it loading in the browser Mm -hmm. on my phone why isn't it loading on the app on my phone let me excuse myself from rounds to go check it on the computer it was a very uncool experience so that was around 11 a.m that day so processed that called my dean and was like hey what do i do now and she said to come into school so i talked to a couple other people and then drove into school and at noon is when the soap eras kind of reopens so you have access to your application again which you haven't had access to since you submitted it Mm-hmm. you know, back in whenever. And you also get at that time, like the deans had this packet of like this 20 page packet of all of the open residency spots in the country. Okay. And so you have an hour from like noon to one, I think it was to pick every program you wanted to send your application to again, and then edit your application. So I had applied to OBGYN. And so my personal statement was pretty OBGYN specific. So I edited it to make it a little bit more general and a little bit more um, appropriate for family medicine programs. I applied to, I don't know, I think my dean said to do like 50 programs in that first round. So I did, I think maybe 30 or 40, probably it was like 30 family programs, all of the OB spots that were open, which was like four or five prelim years. There were two full four-year residency spots. And then I also did a handful of surgery prelims. Because at that point, Hmm. I was wanted to keep my options open in case I did, you know, I I didn't know if I was going to stick with OB or do something else. And sure, throughout like third and fourth year, family medicine had been kind of my like other woman Mm -hmm. residency, like my other option. So it wasn't, you know, out of the realm of possibility for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that felt like the next best fit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that mean, so you applied to like a bunch of different spots. So you said the surgery spot, the family medicine spots, and like any of the open ob spots across the country. And then you said you had to edit your personal statement to make it a little bit more general. Was it only family medicine general or did you have to edit your personal statement like four times for the four different specialties um so i i just edited it for the family ones and i sent the like family version to the family programs and then the ob Mm. version to the ob and surgery programs there was also one derm spot in like the middle of nowhere indiana and i was like why not (laughs) and i did not edit anything i just sent to them because i was like Maybe. This isn't going to happen, but, like, <laughs> might as well try it. Sure. Yeah. Sweet lifestyle. Yeah. Well, you said that you applied to 30 to 40 programs and you were saving some applications for later. Could you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So, the way it works is that there's technically a couple rounds of applications on that first day. And then also the caveat is that the um, computer system broke down last year so the timeline that my soap was on is not the same timeline that it was on the year before and hopefully not the same timeline that it'll be on this year when interesting the computer system will work and so you can apply in multiple rounds and so my dean you know said apply to like everywhere you would really want and also enough other ones to fill out to 50 and then if for whatever reason you don't get any bites we would do another round and i don't know if some of the other kids from my school had to do more rounds but okay uh, but you well, I guess well, that's kind of spoilers in a little bit, but you, I guess you matched in the uh, in worked. the first round of soap. Yeah. Okay, so I spent a little bit of time looking online and trying to understand how the soap worked and watching their videos. And so it sounds like, um, I'll just kind of summarize what you said. So you find out whether you match at like eleven a.m. on Monday, and then when you find out you don't match, you basically just drop all of your clinical duties that day, come to the school, talk to your deans. Maybe, I don't know if you ever, like, interact with the other students who also didn't match. Yeah, um, we were all in a, a little conference room. Um, I'm sure that was a solemn affair. And then you re-edit your application and you send it to certain programs that you have found out have unfilled positions. Uh, and the way it normally works is that during the next couple of days, the programs will contact you to interview, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about how those interviews worked and, like, yeah. what that was like? So, um, it's very strict that applicants, after sending the application, you cannot contact the programs. The programs have to contact you. Um, and so I was still on my internal medicine sub that week. Um, so I was still going to work, but okay. the program that I was rotating with were very understanding. Um, and basically I got phone calls. Um, I think it was all phone calls. I don't think there were any emails. It was all phone calls just from different programs, basically starting. So usually you send your applications Monday at 1 p.m. And then starting Mm -hmm. Monday at like 2 or 3, programs can contact you from then on. But the computer system crashed um, Monday at like 1.15 or something my year. So um, no one could reach out to us until Tuesday at noon. And so that Monday afternoon, one of the other girls who hadn't matched also and I decided well, we weren't going to do anything else that day. So we went to dinner and then we went to see Captain Marvel because it was very loud. <laughs> okay. So it would block everything else out of our minds. Captain okay. Marvel, great film. That I mean, that's interesting because it really contextualizes the experience for everyone listening, like when they remember when that movie came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what I did on Monday afternoon and evening. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the next day starting at noon was when programs started reaching out. So I was getting phone calls to schedule interviews or just to interview. Some of them were over the phone. Some of them did FaceTime. I still remember the like 
little back room in the IM office at the hospital where I was rotating where the IM chiefs were like, this is your room for the next three days. Like you can always come here to do your interviews. It's the one room in the office that has cell reception. That's Um, yeah. yeah. So I sat in there a lot talking to different family programs, to OB programs, to surgery programs. Okay. What were those interviews like? Like structured wise, were they kind of like, hey, like obviously there's like a mutual understanding of like why they're interviewing you and like they know why you're there and you know why they're calling you. Um, so I guess do you, you know, you get that email saying, hey, can you do this interview today or tomorrow or whenever? Um, are you preparing similarly for how you interviewed at other places? Um, what kind of goes, like what kind of questions are they asking you and, and how do you think that you can judge the fit of a program by that. Yeah. Well, so part of it is kind of backing up to Monday when I went in to meet with the dean. You know, we all had one-on-one meetings with her and we, you know, had the like, what happened conversation. And part of that was also like, okay, so now what do you say in an interview? Because obviously they're going to ask, why do you think you didn't match? So that was something that I prepped with her, kind of getting the like, anger and frustration and sadness out of the way with a trusted adult and then practicing a more appropriate answer for an interview. So for example, my specifics were I applied to like 30 OB programs. My step one was like 230s, step two 250s. I was AOA, had honors in all of my rotations and I had a lot of research and I'd done four OB sub-eyes that year with high passer honors in all of them. And so we talked about how I was kind of burned out during my interviews, especially by the end of them. I was like so dead and also how I really enjoy primary care and really value the longitudinal relationships that you build in that and how I also didn't communicate the most enthusiasm for the obstetrics part of OBGYN. My interest has always been more in like gynecology, family planning, PD and adolescent gyne. So the approach that we had was that I didn't necessarily come off as like totally jazzed about all of OBGYN as I could have and as other applicants I'm sure did. Um, And so especially, you know, in my conversations with family programs, you know, acknowledging that family has always, honestly, it had felt like a better fit for me in a lot of ways, but I had leaned towards OB for certain reasons, but that family had everything that I was looking for in terms of my ability to be committed to women's health, to do family planning and abortion care, to do adolescent medicine and the flexibility in that, in the discipline. And so that was mostly the interview prep was more about like, at least for me, I'm not sure what it was for other students, but there was a, you know, a slightly different approach for OB programs and the surgery prelims, right? Where it was more about like, yeah, maybe I didn't exhibit enough enthusiasm about obstetrics itself, um, but I'm very committed to women's health and GYN care. You know, I've been working towards this for a long time, blah, blah, blah. Having a little bit of distance from it, and even at the time, there was like a bit of a sense of relief for me. Um, and I think that something else that probably came out in my OB interviews was that I was kind of terrified about how much work OB is, how intense it can be, and... It's interesting now, having been on the recruitment committee of my current program and the things that I hear or have heard applicants say and how I've interpreted that, and then thinking back to how I interviewed 
and may have asked similar questions. Um, Do you want to just drop some nuggets of wisdom on us right now? Like, if you're going to go into something like OB surgery or even like a very intense family or I am program, asking about the schedule, how much call you take. Um, I mean, they're important things to know. And if it's important to you, you need to ask because it does communicate yourself in an interview. Because if a program does work, you know, 80 hours on the dot every week and you're not up for that for whatever reason, it's fine. That's okay. You don't have to be up for that. There are plenty of programs that don't do that, but you don't want a program that does that to think that that's what you want. Yeah. If you want, yeah, if you're looking to match in that program and that's what they do, you don't want to come off like you're lazy. Right. Yeah. But you also don't want to come off like you're super intense and then you get there and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm yeah. in over my head. I had done two GYN oncology rotations in quick succession right before all of my interviews and those are brutal. Like, yeah. No one works harder than Gynonc. You know, I was there till like 9 or 10 p.m. every night getting in at like 4 or 5 in the morning, like... Yeah. It's, I loved it. I learned a lot. It was really fascinating. But so that had really colored my kind of approach to interviews. And when they said, you know, what are you nervous about? Instead of being like, I'm nervous about being able to juggle all of the patients or I'm nervous about making sure that I get along with my teammates. I was like, I'm nervous about getting enough sleep, which was true. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a person who needs, you know, eight hours of sleep a night. Although I'm learning. Maybe I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, we should just mention you're coming off a, of- 24 hour no call. no just a uh, 15 hours it's 15 uh, only, hours only 15 hours <laughs> yeah. of work yeah and it's 8 a.m. right now just everyone's <laughs> listening like yeah so she's been up all night and thank Doing you so obstetrics. much <laughs> As, yeah that's a good point but how did you evaluate programs differently over those phone interviews versus how you did when you yeah. were on OB so um, for the OB programs a couple of them were places I had applied and interviewed for categorical spots and I hadn't ranked their prelim spot because I didn't want to do a prelim OB year. So those programs I knew about and I was like, I'm definitely applying. I mean, I just applied to all the OB ones. I didn't really think about them that much. The surgery ones, you know, the things that I, that I looked at or asked about were their match rates. Um, So one of them was one of the programs in Southern California and the program director there was very great. I really enjoyed speaking with him. And he was very straightforward that, like, they always have a couple of residents who want to match OB. They always get them rotations at their home hospital's OB program. And they always match into an OB program. Okay. And so, like, that was really important to know. The OB programs I talked to, knowing do their prelims match PGY2 spots instead of having to redo intern year. Which, you know, varied program to program and applicant to applicant. When it came to family programs... The thing that I found most helpful was talking to the family docs who I trust and who were my mentors. You know, there's a couple people who I worked with during various rotations who had the kind of career that I want. And so calling them up and saying like, hey, what do I look for? Have you heard of any of these programs? Like, what have you heard? And one of the most helpful things was knowing that, like for the program where I ultimately ended up, that the mentors I had back in Boston, who I really trusted, knew this program, trusted it, told me it was a good established program, and that they had had okay. multiple graduates of their residency program come work here. Okay. And that meant a lot to me because I knew those people. I knew how well they were trained. And so that was like a huge vote of confidence. 
Um, Because a lot of the other programs were newer. They were kind of unknown quantities. Yeah. And kind of going back to the the interview thing, Mm -hmm. it was interesting interviewing with new programs versus more established programs. So the programs who'd done this before and were more experienced, like the surgery transition programs, the OB prelim years, the more established family programs, had a much more like concise interview. It was much more about like, let's just get down to like, what's the actual issue? Why didn't you match? Why would you be good? Why would we be good for you? Um, Whereas some of the other programs, it was like an entire behavioral interview all over again. So it was like doing an interview day again, which is draining. Exhausting, yeah. And to have to do that like a bunch of times was not awesome. Like back to back to back too. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, tell me about a time when. Tell me about a time when. Uh-huh. And I was like, no. I'm <laughs> done telling you about all my times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm, and you're doing this in the, in like the back room of your hospital, which yeah. I'm sure was a little draining. I mean, maybe like in the morning you saw patients and then you like. And then I'd be like, oh, just kidding. I'm getting a call from an unknown number. I need to answer this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. And I did, you know, and they would call. I mean, it started at noon on Friday. I mean, on Tuesday. And I was getting calls like all that evening and then all the next day. Okay. So I like took some interviews at work on Tuesday, went home. I had some more interviews when I was at home. And then I think Wednesday, because we had to go back to the Dean's that day, I didn't go to the hospital and I had more interviews in the morning on Wednesday. And then we had to go back to school for more something because the timeline was messed up. Okay. For yeah. like the ranking. Yeah. So that people can understand what their experience might be this year if they mm-hmm. were to happen to have this happen. So after you do the interviews, the programs will make a preference list of applicants that they want to offer positions to. And on uh, Wednesday at 12, the programs start the round one of uh, offers. So they can send out offers for as many spots as they have open. So, for example, if a program has two unfilled positions, they can send out offers to two applicants. And uh, that's actually interesting to know because for some reason I thought that it was a rank list again where, like, they're, like, sending it to 10 applicants and the applicants have to, like, pick if they want it or not. But in reality, no, it's just, like, it's an offer just for the applicant. So on Wednesday at 12, all of the applicants are logging into their portal and they see the offers that are coming to them that day. They might get multiple offers from different programs. Like maybe, I don't know how, how, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, like three or four. Sure. Yeah. At the most. And then they pick which one they want. If it's one, then they pick the one they got or they pick out of the three or four, like you said. And, uh, that's like the end of the first round. Right. Yeah. And then what happens is uh, the programs that didn't have their offers accepted have to go into round two. And in between rounds, they get a chance to remake their preferences list and they get to um, essentially redecide who they're going to send their offers to. And then they send offers again to all the applicants. And all the applicants are allowed to accept or reject the offer they right. get. But if you pick an offer in round one, you're done. Yeah, if you pick you can't wait and see who's going to offer you in round two. And you can't hold your offer from round one into round two. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, it's good to point out. So once an applicant accepts a position, like that is binding as if yeah. you had matched on the normal match. And there's a third one that happens the next day on Thursday. Something I should also point out is that there's about 1,700 spots in the soap every year and about 1,600 of them get filled. Right. So at the end of all three rounds, there will be some positions that are still unfilled and there's going to be some applicants that still are not matched. 
So what will happen is all of the unfilled positions will go on a list on the NRMP website and the applicants at that point, it truly is a scramble. It's a free for all. Yeah, they basically can go and contact programs themselves and say, I want your spot. It becomes like a, like you said, a free for all. Yeah. Um, well, that's after match or is that on the Thursday? Or, or that's Thursday, the Thursday. Like from Thursday at like noon or 1 p.m. until mm-hmm. Friday morning. Yeah. Oh, geez. And that's just like, I don't even know how you would possibly arrange that. It just becomes. Well, at that point, I mean, at that point, that's that's just like 100 spots and all of like all residencies that use the NRMP match. So it could be like, let's say you're applying anesthesia and you're like, OK, maybe I'll just have a change of heart and do pediatrics or something. I'm, you don't just stick with whatever you apply to. So, for example, in my class, the people who didn't match, it was a couple of us who'd applied in OB. There was a couple who'd applied in ortho, a couple who'd applied in gen surge, and like one or two psych. And so none of us only applied to our original specialty because that's, that's not setting yourself up for success. And you apply to so many programs at first because you have to have like a big bucket of things to choose from so that hopefully it's not Thursday afternoon and you're calling up all of these programs you've never talked to yeah so that's like the way that it's supposed to work because the whole computer thing crapped out my yeah. ear things got a little bit hairy um i remember hearing about that and people just freaking out yeah everyone was like losing their minds yeah i, I don't blame them that's mm-hmm. it was like oh would you like the worst thing ever to happen and then also now it's extra bad technical difficulties yeah <laughs> please wait one moment <laughs> someone's gonna lose their job <laughs> um so the way it worked for me is like i talked to a bunch of programs on tuesday in the afternoon and i think wednesday in the morning and during that whole time i was like internally and like with my parents and my friends discussing and like my mentors like what do i actually want yeah. Um, and for me, it really came down to that I really could not see myself training for more than four years as a resident. And that the important things that I want to accomplish as a doctor, I don't have to be an OBGYN to do. Mm-hmm. Like to provide abortion care, to have a women's health focus, to do adolescent medicine, to work with patients with special needs. Um, those are not specific to OBGYN. And that things that I value, like work-life balance and social justice focus and mission-driven programs and an emphasis on longitudinal relationships and primary care are more found in family medicine. Sure. And for me, taking the time to reflect on the different mentors I've had in different specialties and the ones who have the careers that I most admire and want to emulate, when I look back, we're all family docs. And so while I had applied to 50 programs, including surgery and OB ones to keep that avenue open for me by, I think, Tuesday night-ish, I had really come to feel comfortable in my choice to commit to family. Okay. And so knowing that, I was able to like cut loose the other programs. Um, and, you know, you tell them because you don't want them to waste a spot, right, in their first round. And my dean was so instrumental in this in that she was you so the the programs call you but they also call your deans um and so she was very very helpful in terms of just keeping my options open for me um and being able to field a lot of calls and saying she's still deciding you know she really likes your program blah 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 um so that that gave me like the cushion and the time to be able to reflect and really think about what was going to be best for me 
And so then I was able to really focus on the family programs I was talking to. And it came down to a couple different ones. And when I decided which one I was going to go with, I spoke with that program director and, you know, I told him my decision and he had told me that I was one of their top choices. And I was like, you're my top choice. If you give me an offer, I'll take it. He was like, cool, we'll give you an offer tomorrow when round one happens. And he did. And he did. And then now I'm in Chicago. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good. What were the other, I guess, some of your other applicants, I'm, I'm sure you were talking with them, um, you know, or kind of getting the sense of, you know, obviously there's anxiety around the whole situation. There might be some, you know, feelings that you're upset and, and those kind of things. Um, who, you know, for those students that went through the second and third rounds, I don't know if you were talking to them through the whole thing or if you remain in contact with them now um, that you're in Chicago, but um, were those feelings like pretty mutual across the board or, you know, what did you see other applicants in the soap um kind of have to deal with yeah i mean i think i got off pretty lucky um and i came out of it like by match day i was feeling pretty good i was happy with my decision and i felt like i'd really landed on my feet but i know some of my fellow students did not and some of them were really pretty pissed and and really frustrated still um and like they'd all gotten you know some of them had decided to do a research year um, some of them decided to do a prelim year, but I think there was still like a lot of frustration mm-hmm. and especially for the prelim ones, which I totally get. And is a big reason why I ultimately decided against a prelim year was because like, there's no closure on that. And you know, you have to do this all over again while being an intern, while being a surgery intern, Yeah, which is like hell enough on its own. Mm-hmm. Let alone also now you have to juggle your call schedule while you take 25 interviews because God forbid you don't match again. Yeah. No, I think we talked a good amount about like, you know, like change of heart and like those kind of things. I just kind of, yeah. you know, I, I'm trying to think like if I'm in this situation, like, you know, what do I do? Yeah. And I think it would just take an insane amount of like self-reflection and be like, okay, like what do I, what do I want in like my medical career? Not just like what, do I want, like, what specialty do I want? Like, what do I want my medical career to, like, look like? And I think that was a really good point that you brought up in the sense that, you know, I worked, you know, the the feelings that I had, you know, were more around, like, what family practice doc will do versus, you know, what an uh, OB-GYN would do. I love the GYN part, but you know, it's it's the the longitudinal care, uh, comprehensive care that you can get from family that drove me to stay with, like, a family residency i think that would be something that you just have to accept and be open with and i think there's obviously a lot of stress that comes with that week you know starting on monday so i think i would probably do the same thing as you like kind of clear my head hopefully have like kind of be angry at first be disappointed at first and then do something fun for myself like release some of that tension and then go into the interviews like really open and just being honest yeah i think the most important thing was i mean i happened to be living at home which was a blessing and a curse but like having my parents there to talk to about it and to bounce ideas off, and my best friends both in and out of medicine and my mentors and being able to have people say like you know, what I'm hearing is you value this, this, and this. Or I remember when we were applying, you said, you know, you were concerned about this. Or I remember last year when we were on our family rotation together, you really seemed to love it. Like things like that. And just having the 
like support around me enough to be able to take that step back and really think about what I wanted and like what my motivations had been going into medicine in the first place and, and applying to residency in general. You know, the one thing that I would say, the one piece of advice I have for every medical student is always have a backup plan. Like I love my program. I'm very happy. I definitely got extremely lucky. Like we are one of the most established rigorous family programs in the country. It's extremely rare for a program like this to end up in the soap. And so it was like a little, you know, happy coincidence for me. But at the same time, I'm someone who likes to have choices. And so if I could do anything over again, it would have been to dual apply, to apply to OB and family, or to be a little bit more honest with myself back in third year that the reason I was applying to OB was because I thought it was harder and more prestigious, even though I had misgivings and I had always felt more like family were my, like, quote unquote, my people. And so I would say at the very least, dual apply and be very, very, very honest with yourself about what you want out of your career and why you want that. I have a friend who took a year in between third and fourth year, and she and I were relatively similar applicants in terms of our values and, and our choices. And she was initially just going to apply OB, and I was like very, very deliberate with her that it's extremely important to do apply. And she did. And, and we'll see where she matches, but just knowing that she will have more choices and have a little bit more of a cushion there is important. I would say like, yes, interviewing at a ton of programs sucks and it's hard, but it is worth doing more interviews, writing more essays, doing more applications to make sure that you get everything that you want. Sure. Like I'm, I'm very happy with my program and I love it a lot, but for one thing, like we don't have abortion training as part of our regular curriculum. I'll do an elective in it. It's not a big deal, but there are family programs that do incorporate it into the base curriculum. And so if mm -hmm. I had applied family or dual applied with family, I would have been able to prioritize those programs. Sure. Get more options. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I think we're about to wrap up, but I know it's like a very vulnerable, difficult conversation to have. And we definitely appreciate you being so open and honest, and especially at this time in the morning after staying up all night. You said you had a little bit of last advice. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? My favorite teacher ever, my fourth grade teacher, always said the more options you have in life, the better your choices will be. And I feel like that is uh, wicked true. I, I would just say, like, like put the extra effort in now as a medical student to give yourself those options. It will never be as hard as residency. So make sure that you're at a residency that you want to be at. Okay. Um, because you will be working all the time and you will be with these people all the time. And they need to be people you trust, you enjoy, and you need to be doing work that you care about. And every day I come home exhausted but happy. Monday, I delivered one of my clinic patients. I've been seeing her for months. And she came in. She had a beautiful delivery. She had a beautiful baby. And I'm going to see them in clinic in a week. I love that, you know, one of my highlights on my, my inpatient service rotation a couple months ago was I had this elderly man with, like, advanced cancer. And he came in septic. And being able to sit down with him and his family and be honest with them about his prognosis and that they chose to go with hospice that day. Like, I love that I get to do all of that. And it makes being tired all the time, like, very, very worth it. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for sharing those insights. And it sounds like you matched at a program that has a lot of things that you want. I'm glad yeah, to hear that. it's been a really good fit and people are really great. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to be up in the middle of the night, it better be with people who you actually want to hang out with. I can corroborate that. As a, I ex- <laughs> uh, yeah, spent some time. time. We had a great time when I was here for my overnight call. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And to all of our listeners out there, we will be back next week. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the podcast or follow us on social media to get notifications about new episodes. The views and opinions expressed by guests and hosts on this podcast are their own and do not represent the various community and professional organizations to which the speaker might belong. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with another episode next week.